Welcome to Restaurant Influencers powered by Entrepreneur and Yelp. My name is Sean Walcheff, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. In life, in the restaurant business, and in the content business, we learn through lessons and stories. We are grateful for Toast, our primary sponsor of this podcast. They help restaurant owners become digital first companies. Today, we have an incredibly special guest. Uh, we started this podcast on a mission, on a mission to help the hospitality business, on a mission to help restaurant owners learn that influence is here. The creator economy is here. Additional streams of revenue are available to restaurant owners if you embrace the smartphone, if you embrace the internet, if you embrace sharing your story online. We struggled for so long as an independent restaurant trying to get people to tell our story. Once we started sharing our own story, opportunities started to come our way. Today's guest is Aton Burnath. At Aton, you can find him on all the social channels. He has over 6 million followers on social, 2.2 million followers on TikTok, 3.1 million on Facebook, Instagram, close to 700,000 followers, 150 subscribers on YouTube. This guy is a content machine. He has a brand new cookbook coming out called Eton Eats the World. It is an incredible cookbook. It is dropping very soon. It'll drop probably once this podcast is out. And uh, more importantly, he's the CEO of Aton Productions. So he has turned his influence into a business and he's only 19 years old. You're the youngest person to appear on any of my podcasts. So Aiton, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be the youngest. Uh, always fun. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, love to hear um, all about the amazing uh, work that you do. And I think I could not agree more. Uh, you know, social media, I think very specifically for food is such a powerful tool. Um, and I think that especially you know, going through the pandemic, I think so many people learned how powerful it is. And I, I am thrilled to hear uh, and just excited to be part of this episode. Awesome. So we start with a random question and that's where, in the, world, where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage or venue? Oh, where in the world is my favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Um, I've seen Lion King on Broadway an ungodly amount of times. So <laughs> probably that stage. I don't know what it's called, but the Lion King stage, I have seen that literally an ungodly, ungodly amount of times. Um, basically every time someone visits the city and they're like, oh, let's do a city thing. Um, like, let's go to a Broadway show. And that is the only time you'll ever spot me alive in, middle, in Times Square. Okay, cool. How how many does Broadway seat? Do you have any idea what the what the theater on Broadway holds? A, a couple fun thousand. Thing about me is my mom's a math teacher, but I'm very bad at estimating. <laughs> to be honest, I could tell you four hundred. I could tell you two thousand. Uh, no clue. Well, let's go with a couple thousand. Let let's let's throw it out there. A couple thousand. Let's pretend we rent out on Broadway. We put on a hospitality conference, and uh, we bring the best of the best, the people that are playing the game within the game. We fly them from all over the globe. Um, we put you up there on center stage. I give you the mic and say, two minutes. Aton, who are you and what do you do? Can you uh, can you, can you you drop it on us? Yes, and I apologize for the noise. Uh, there's been a lot of sirens going off today. By That's me. New York City. You're good. Uh, yeah, well, welcome to the city. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Aton Burnath. I am a 19-year-old, although I'm turning 20 uh, in just a week. Um, so maybe this comes out. 20-year-old, 
uh, content creator. I'm from Teaneck, New Jersey. I currently live in Manhattan, as you can hear the sirens and the construction. Uh, I create food content and lifestyle content across um, all the social channels. Um, I also do television with Drew Barrymore. I have my cookbook, Eight Times the World's coming out May 3rd, um, available everywhere books are sold. Um, and I'm all about, you know, getting people excited to get in the kitchen. Um, you know, I, I think something that I've realized that I really try to now think about and be conscious of when I create content is most people who watch cooking videos online don't actually like to cook. And my goal is to, you know, kind of take those people and see, oh, you like watching me cook? Let's get you in the kitchen as well. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to teach new techniques or, you know, start with even just the basics. My, at the end of the day, my goal with my cookbook, with what I do on television, with what I do um, on social media is to get people in the kitchen and get people uh, excited about food and cooking. So you have, according to Variety, you are one of the first, if not the first TikTok star to leverage your TikTok stardom into a full-time appearance, regular appearance um, on the Drew Barrymore show. Can you talk about how did you do it? What's the secret? Yes. So actually, it's funny when Variety reported that, I didn't even know that. And then I called my friends like, wait, is this true? Like, Good reporting. Like, no way. Like the D'Amelios have not had possible, right? something. Um, but yes. Um, I allegedly was fact-checked, although if I'm wrong, don't quote me on this, but um, yes, allegedly I uh, was, or am the first, I think now plus others, but at least at the time, this was a year and a half ago, I was the first, um, I wouldn't say I call myself a TikToker, but TikTok creator, someone who creates a lot of content yep. on TikTok, who kind of grew very rapidly on TikTok to land a daytime reoccurring television role. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it was, it was I was so honored because, um, you know, I feel like when you're the first at something, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, you know, kind of like you said about me being on your podcast. Um, I'm typically the first for a lot of things, you know, or the youngest, um, you know, I was the youngest this year on the Forbes 30 under 30 list in the food and wine category. Um, I was the youngest person to attend the White House Hanukkah ceremony this past year. Um, I'm one of the youngest cookbook authors that have ever published a book in like at least by a major publisher like Clarkson Potter. And so there's a lot of pressure that comes with uh, being the youngest or the first. Um, but I take that with a sense of pride. And I think, you know, with this television with Drew, you know, uh, Drew is someone I obviously never would have imagined becoming friends with in my wildest dreams or working with. Um, and she is really just a dream. Um, and she is so much fun on set, offset. Her just energy is infectious. So when we talk about sharing your story online to restaurant owners, to hospitality professionals. What we have experienced with our brand is opportunities like this, opportunities to create content for entrepreneur.com, to, to go out to a global audience. You've lived these opportunities at a very young age. When did you first get that opportunity and how did you kind of manifest multiple opportunities to where you are today? Yeah, so I started off, um, I competed on Chopped on the Food Network when I was 11. Um, everyone's always like, oh, you're on Chopped Junior? Nope, I was on Chopped. Um, Chopped Junior actually came to be after my episode. Um, and, you know, I started creating a food blog right after my episode aired to document, like, my culinary journey. And uh, that food blog turned into an Instagram account, uh, turned into a Facebook. I always joke I was playing Instagram before I was allowed to by the terms of service. Um, and I just kind of started documenting my culinary journey, you know, what I was cooking, what I was eating, what I was learning. Uh, and I began to grow this following. And, you know, eventually my posts and pictures of food turned into photos of me with food, turned into videos. And I think, um, you know, kind of the end of 2019 um, was when I really went hard on video. Um, and I think that for me, my number one advice for anyone 
even thinking about starting with creating video content online is to start. There's always a hundred excuses why not. I don't have good lighting. I don't have a good camera. I don't know what I want to do. My ideas aren't good enough yet. They're cringy. This is what I did when I started my YouTube channel, and I recommend everyone does this. If you're looking to start a YouTube channel, looking to start content, choose your top three favorite people who create content online. Either go to their YouTube channel or their Instagram page or their TikTok. Go all the way down. Watch their first three videos. <laughs> That's I great promise advice. You, you're going to cringe. You're going to be <laughs> like, oh my advice. God, the, the lighting is bad. Did they film this on one of those old school like film camcorders that was, existed before I was alive? Uh, did they have any talent at that time? And it sounds crazy. Do that. Watch the people you currently admire's first work and it's bad. It is bad. The lighting's bad. The audio is terrible. You can barely hear them. It sounds like they're recording in a fish tank. Uh, and I think that that is the best thing to do because that will help you realize that in order to get successful, in order to create content that you dream of creating, you have to start somewhere. And your first videos, they're going to be bad. Your lighting's going to be probably bad. Your audio is going to be bad. You might be cringy. Let me let, let me tell you this. If I go right now, if we were to go scroll way, way back and watch probably my first cooking video, I would be sitting here cringing and wanting you to, I'd be like yelling to pause it and stop it. Yep. But it is so important because of course, when you're a creative, you want it to be this perfect thing in your mind, but just start off with something. And if you're a restaurant owner, if that's posting a literal just picture or video filmed on your phone in the middle of the kitchen, the food, do that. You'll learn, you'll get better. You have to start somewhere. There's 4 billion excuses always why not to start. Just do it. It sounds cheesy, but just do it. And now a quick break to welcome our newest sponsor to Restaurant Influencers, Pop Menu. Pop Menu is an incredible tool. I was recently visiting our ghost kitchen, our friendly ghost kitchen in San Diego. Um, and I met with another pizzeria shop owner and we talked about all the things we talk about on this show, how important social media is, how important Instagram reels are, TikTok, smartphone storytelling, all the principles we talk about on this show. He told me he wasn't doing any of that, but he also told me that he didn't have a strong website. He also shared with me that Pop Menu had reached out to him and had already helped him improve his mobile first website, his online ordering experience at his pizza shop, which he's owned for over 30 years, as well as at his ghost kitchen location. So when Pop Menu reached out, they said they wanted to be a part of this show. We were beyond excited to welcome them to the restaurant influencers family. We know that many of you that listen to the show use Pop Menu. They have a great new product that they are launching. It is called Pop Menu Answering. Not answering the phone is one of the quickest ways your restaurant can lose a potential customer. That is why your restaurant needs Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating? What are your hours? And with Pop Menu, you can customize your answers, choose the voice your guest hears, which we recommend should be your voice, and even create customized greetings. Plus, Pop Menu's full collection of tools helps optimize your website and menu, streamline the online ordering experience, and assist in remarketing. So Pop Menu is hooking up our listeners. If you go to popmenu.com slash influencers, you will get $100 off. And this is their way of giving back to us. They will lock in the rate for you. Um, it's so important for us to hear the the stories, the lessons and stories of people that are using the the sponsors that we have on this show, like Toast and like Pop Menu. So if you have a Pop Menu story, please share it with us. Reach out to me on social at Sean P. Walchef on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Share your story. We would love to feature you in our social channels. And now back to the show.
So I love the fact that you've evolved your career from starting on TV, moving to written words on the internet, starting doing food photography, and now going all in on video. I mean, those yep. are the, the pillars of content. It's video, audio, written word, and images. Now we're doing a podcast. We're going to distribute that as audio storytelling. It's also going to be a written blog. Um, it's also going to be an article. We're going to cut it up for social content. But why, why is it so important, short-form video right now? where we are. Why is short form video so powerful? Yeah, um, short form video is everything. You know, um, I create lots of types of content um, and, you know, I kind of put different content in buckets. There's some content I create because I just love doing it. I know it won't perform well, but I'm like, this is for me. Um, <laughs> there's some content I make because it's, you know, things that I, I want to eventually, you know, for example, fashion content. I love, I personally love fashion. I love, you know, doing photo shoots and modeling and everything. Uh, and if I'm going to be honest, as a business owner, is posting images of me and outfits and stuff making money as a business? No. If anything, it's losing a lot of money. Clothes are expensive. Yeah. Photographers are expensive. Um, for me, that's the type of content that is almost an investment. I see that, you know, in the future, I want to, you know, be able to like shoot with Vogue and all those cool things. So, you know, I'm doing that kind of foundation work now. But the number one thing that has the biggest ROI right now in all of media, in my opinion, as you said, is short form video. And let me just say, I now run a production company. I have quite a lot of people um, full-time um, who work on my team. And most of the revenue that we have made has been from this phone right here. Smartphone, iPhone. Not, right not a big fancy camera, Yep. not this, this phone. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're listening to it on some type of smartphone. Um, and I think that that is so important is, you know, short form video, it's, it's every platform leaning in on it. And there's a reason it's because that is what people want to watch. You know, that is, that is what is digestible right now. That is what people want to see and you need to lean in on it right now. And, you know, and maybe you're like, oh, this is hard. This is not what I want to do. Here's the thing. Social media is constantly evolving. You know, what works today will, will probably not work in three months from now. So even if you're like, oh, I don't really like short form content, do it now. Start growing a following. If, you're, if your goal is, hey, you know what? I want to produce 20 minute long YouTube videos. Start that. But if you want to gain some traction, start with short form right now and, you know, build up your quality, build up your experience, all that to then get you where you want to be. Uh, but yeah, short form video is seriously everything. Also, I'm, while, while you ask the next question, I'm closing the window so that the, the volume outside is lower. <laughs> You're all good. Uh, so we turned our barbecue business into a media business and we recommend everybody that's listening to this podcast, no matter what category your restaurants in, no matter where you are in hospitality, even if you're a tech company in hospitality, we believe that you should be your own media company. We know that because of the audience that you can get on all these different platforms. All, you're literally building on the backs of giants. I don't have to go create TikTok. It's already there. I don't need to create YouTube. It's already there. We just need to share our story. We need to get quicker at uploading content. We need to do a better job of putting more content out there, finding out what works and what doesn't work. For you, you're around a lot of influencers. There's a lot of influencers that want to start a business. They want to turn their influence into, into a business. You're still going to college. For you, why launch the business side? And when was the aha moment to take yourself even more seriously than you already did? Um, to be totally honest, I treated this as a business since I was 12. Um, so when my episode aired on Chopped, um, I started a food blog and the third blog post on my website was sponsored. Um, at the time I was paid about 
I think $75 or hundred dollars um, to create a recipe for this chocolate chip company. Awesome. Um, but it, it's, it sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm not, you can go back to my website and look um, my third blog post ever was sponsored. That's incredible. Um, Did they, re- they reached out to you? Uh, no, I just sent you... hundreds of cold emails. Wait, hold on. See, that's the, that's the gold right there. You sent hundreds of cold emails. Yep. Same, same what? I went, I asked my mom, cause I was 12 at the time. I said, can we go to the grocery store? I got out a list. I wrote down every single brand I saw uh, wow. that, that I wanted to work with. And I, hi, my name is Eta Burnett. I just competed on Chopped on the Food Network. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was covered in this magazine and this magazine. Uh, I have a social media following at the time. I think I had 10,000 followers. I have 10,000 followers on Instagram. I have a food blog. I'd love to create a recipe with your product uh, here. Like, let me know if you're interested. Um, and I sent it to hundreds of companies. Hundreds, um, hundreds of companies. And, and it's something, obviously, you know, now I have a whole team and agents who do all that. But I think, you know, when you're starting out, uh, just, just, there's nothing's about it. Just try it. Email people. If you want to start a podcast and you want guests on your podcast, email them. Email people. If you're like, oh, they're never going to be a podcast, who cares? If you, if you, and I'm, I'm sure you guys also uh, know this because you literally have a podcast. Yes. The number one way to get what you want in life is asking for it. If you don't ask for it, you're definitely not getting it. And, and obviously, you know, there's so many other factors. There's luck, there's privilege. There's all these factors that also contribute, but it's, it's kind of, I, I've always, I'm very not a sporty person, but it's kind of like the idea of like, you miss every shot you don't take. Yep. It's, I, I don't like that saying, cause I remember when I was in gym younger, and I didn't want to play basketball. My like, <laughs> you miss hundred percent shots you don't take. I'm like, well, I don't want to score the shots. I don't want it, but it, I, I you do, like, you, uh, you did want to score the, but you wanted to score your own shots. Other shots. Other, Those yeah, were exactly. your shots. Your shots were creative shots. And that's leaning into your truth. Exactly. And I think that that's so important. Like, like if you want something and and people are like, oh, how did you get this? Most of the things that I've accomplished in my life, people are like, oh my God, how did that happen? The the answer is I asked, I asked for it. Now, have I gotten very lucky or have there been privileges in my life that have helped me get, get to things that other people won't, wouldn't have necessarily in their life? hundred percent. But if you look at some of the greatest things, I'll give you an example. When I went to the White House for the Hanukkah event, do you want to know how I got that? I was invited to a separate event at the White House and I met someone on Jill Biden's team and I made a joke saying, if you guys ever do a Hanukkah event, I'd love to come. Which is basically <laughs> me asking for an invite. Correct. And what did the but you put you put the idea out in the universe, you put the idea out in their head. They knew who you were. You made a memorable moment with that person. You connected yeah. on a human level. And do you want to know it's all about relationships? They responded. Oh, that's so funny. We have one tomorrow night. Would you like to come? And then I went, I actually had to fly back home from DC to New York that night. And then I flew back the next day and I attended the Hanukkah event. I was the only public figure there. It was all politicians and rabbis. It was a great So no one, else, no one else was vlogging? No, I was the only person. I, I literally, <laughs> it's actually funny. If you look at the photos I posted. I, I no did. I've seen them. I've yeah, seen them. I had, I had no we'll, one we'll put a link. We'll put a link in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Yes. I had no one there with me. So literally I brought my DSLR with me and I was going up to random rabbis and congressmen and congresswomen and saying, here's my camera. Can you take a photo of me? So if you look at my phone, if you look at my Instagram and you see the photos of me at the White House, Maybe your local congressman took that. Maybe your rabbi took it. That's amazing. I literally had ran, and that's another example. I needed content then. I just asked. And you know, there were some congressmen who looked at me and was like, no, why on earth would I do that? And it's all about, okay, I'm trying to find these folks. They're amazing. It's all about asking. What, what kind of NDA did they make you sign for your, the, bringing the camera into the White House? 
Uh, they actually didn't. Did you just okay. ask? <laughs> you just I just brought... asked. I mean, I mean, like here for those watching um, on video on YouTube. I mean, this photo taken yes. by a random congressman. This photo, obviously, I took myself. It's um, fantastic. This photo, probably a rabbi. Probably uh, a rabbi this in the photo, White House. This was one of the Secret Service agents who was guarding one of the doors. I said, "Excuse me, do you mind taking a photo of me?" This one. Secret Service agent. See one, one of the white ask. That is, I mean, so my grandfather, a uh, very important person in my life, he raised me, I never met my father, but he, he taught me three important lessons that we share on, on this podcast, on our other podcast, Digital Hospitality, and that's stay curious, get involved, and ask for help. Ask for help was the hardest one for me personally, especially in my professional career. We opened up a restaurant in 2008, the height of the economic recessions. Around the same time that the first iPhone came out, 2007, we built our restaurant on the backs of the internet, on the backs of all these apps. But now looking back, understanding mentors have played such an important part of my life. And one of my mentors put into my head how important it is to ask. If somebody's in the position that you want to be in, ask them for help. Who taught you, who taught you how to ask? That's a good question. I mean, I think probably just growing up, I mean, my parents have always been incredibly supportive um, of me. You know, both my parents um, work in schools. You know, I definitely grew up uh, in like a very different type, like a very different financial situation um, than I currently am privileged to be in uh, because of my work. Um, and, you know, I think just growing up, like it was just, you know, like nothing, you, you don't take no for an answer. You know, my dad had a business. Uh, like there's, and it's kind of saying at the end of the day, there's so many reasons to, to like say no or to accept defeat. And I think I, I'm a stubborn person if I'm going to be <laughs> self-aware and I really don't like no. Um, I like saying no, there's a lot of power in saying no, but I don't like hearing no. And I think that, you know, my whole life is just like, you know, if I want to work with a brand, if 10 brands email me, sorry, you're following something enough when I was 12 to, to work with, like, let us know in the future. And Oh, okay. Let me email 10 more brands. Yes. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously there's luck and all those things, but I think willpower is so important. And, you know, I think I think that I always try to talk about is, you know, not having ego. I think ego is one of the things that is like one of the worst things on earth. Um, I think that, you know, it's saying everyone who works with me around me, I always say, please stop me in my tracks. If I start getting an ego, like if you notice that I start becoming different or I start um, you know, just not being like myself, please stop me. Um, and, you know, on the contrary, that is that ego of like, like, put away your ego, ask for help. What's the worst I can have? You know, if you have a mentor, you see someone doing something that you, you're succeeding, send them an Instagram DM. Hey, I think you're dope. I would love to hear a little bit about what led you to your success. If you even have 10 minutes, I'd love to just chat. Guess what? They're not going to answer. They're never going to see it. But let me tell you this. If you do that to 10 people, at least one will see it. And maybe if they're in a good mood, they'll answer. Yep. Uh, but you just got to do it. Just try. That's powerful. Tell me about the cookbook. Yes. So Eitan Eats the World. Speaking of little Eitan, this is. It's uh, a, it is a beautiful cookbook. I don't have my hands on one yet, but I will get it. Um, it's incredible. I mean, the amount of time and effort where one of my mentors and close friends is Sam, the cooking guy, and he's put out. I think he's up to six cookbooks and I know yeah. the time and effort that it takes to put into one. I don't personally know, but he's told me how much work it is. And for you to do that at such a young age, I mean, congratulations, man. It is, it's incredible. And all the people yeah. that have backed, backed it and, you know, you're cooking the recipes on Drew Barrymore's show. It, it's incredible. Thank you. 
I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, so this is truly like little Aton. You know, we talk about 12 year old Aton. This is truly like 12 year old Aton and current Aton. Uh, dream come true. You know, growing up, I loved collecting cookbooks. I had like a massive shelf of cookbooks in my room. I always cl collected books. And, you know, as I was food blogging since I was 12, you know, I'm turning 20, I've been food blogging now for eight years. Yep. Um, whenever I develop a recipe that was like a little too good, like I developed it, I was like, mm, am I giving this out for free on the internet? <laughs> Um, I would you want $75 for those cook those cookies. <laughs> exactly. And Cookie I would recipe. save in my Google Drive folder a folder of recipes that I called cookbook recipes. Yep. And this is kind of alludes to the same thing of like never taking those nets. So 12-year-old Aton truly believed that one day I would write a cookbook. Now, did I think it would happen when I'm 19? No. I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do this at 19. Um, but I believed in myself that I would do it. And so I kept this this uh google drive folder of all these recipes that i developed that were just too good to get out on the internet um and then when i got the opportunity to write the book um i was able to go back to that and you know kind of this foundation of where i started writing this the recipes in this book was you know going to that folder now obviously half these recipes were written initially in that folder written when i was like 12. so i had to first like uh translate it from 12 year old Aton's writing to 19 year old Aton's writing um, you know, thoroughly test it, you know, every recipe in this book, um, after I finished my development process, which in itself is at least three to four tests, um, it was tested by four outside recipe testers, every single recipe. Um, you know, we made sure that people had different types of stovetops, different types of ovens, electric oven, electric stovetop, gas stovetop, induction stovetop, um, and really made sure that these recipes are working every single kitchen that they're cooked in. Um, and, you know, the way I describe the recipes in here, they're comfort food. These are, there's 85 comfort food recipes in this book. You know, for me, comfort food are those recipes that, you know, you go to when you're craving comfort. You know, maybe after a long, hard day, you want to cook this um, for dinner or, you know, on a lazy Sunday or with family, with friends. You know, I think for me, growing up, food has always been a big thing that's like for memories for me and for big parts of my life has always been about food. And I really try with the Italian world to do that. I think the thing that's important to note, and the last thing I'll say about it, is that I really spent a lot of time making sure there's recipes in here for every cooking level, you know, especially because knowing that my audience, there are a lot of people who don't cook. Uh, there's recipes in here that are super easy. You know, if you literally have basic set of little bits of equipment and almost no cooking knowledge, you can do it. And then throughout the book, there's different recipes that'll kind of level you up. Oh, if you got this one, great. Try this one a little harder. Maybe takes a little more focus, a little more knowledge. Um, but I really try to, you know, hold the reader's hand. And, you know, there's things in the book that are super complicated, you know, for experienced chefs and experienced bakers who really want to push themselves out of their comfort zone. But there is enough in the book that really anyone at any comfort level, you know, you know, if you cook professionally, you can open any time to the world and find things that will get you excited to cook and that you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. Or I'm going to try cooking that. But at the same time, if you're a novice and you're just listening and you're like, I don't ever cook, Aton eats recipes. Aton eats the recipes. Aton eats the world has recipes. Aton eats the world. Aton eats, eats the recipes. Yes. Aton does Aton eat the recipes. He does. So, one of the things for people that are, we talk about legacy media and new media a lot um, because it's so important to understand that both of them are very powerful. The fact that you have over 6 million social media followers, but now you're going into print, you're going into the legacy media game, it's going to expose you to a whole new audience. Mm 
And that whole new audience that's actually at the bookstores, because there still are bookstores for people that are listening to this, there still are incredible bookstores, but now you get to tap into so many more people. Why is, why is that important? And where do you think this book is going to take you? It's a great question. Yeah, of course, you know, there's this whole new audience. I mean, uh, the older generations are not necessarily on social media. Um, and I think that even beyond a different audience, I think a book is something very different. You know, when you buy, when you look online for a recipe, you know, you don't know, is this a credible source? Has this been thoroughly tested? With a book, there's a sense of like authority, you know, because there's a publisher behind it. You know, for example, Clarkson Potter, they're like, oh, my publisher, it's like basically the number one cookbook publisher. Um, you know, they're not going to publish something that's not good. And so I think there's a sense of authority that comes with the cookbook and especially being able, to, being able to have such an amazing publisher like Clarkson Potter that, you know, you can buy this cookbook or any cookbook from a publisher like Clarkson Potter and have that confidence knowing that like, this is quality. And I think that for me, what's exciting is it's physical. You know, this is obviously the first part of my career that I can hold, I can hug it. Yep. My book's right here, <laughs> it's, it's here, it's in the flesh. It is real yes. life, like yes. it's made of matter. I can't punch through it. Uh, and I think that for me, what's so exciting is, you know, everything I do is all digital, even television with true, like that's on the, the interwebs of broadcast television. Yes. Um, and I think for me, it's exciting. It's so physical. And I think, you know, also for, um, I call them my, my digital family or my fans, um, that it's also a very physical thing that they can also have to kind of be a part of my journey in a very physical way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it brings you into their homes in a way that you haven't been into their homes you know you're in, literally in a non-creepy way in a non-creepy way in their in kitchen in the kitchen correct yes. correct yes <laughs> correct so i asked when we first started our podcast in 2017 i had a uh, sam the cooking guy on he had 1 million youtube subscribers at the time and i asked him you know what's next are you going to open up a restaurant he said absolutely not and you know, I've had him on more than any other guest on our show. And now he has four restaurants. Is there restaurants in your future? That's a great question. Um, when I was younger, uh, that was definitely a dream of mine. I think as of the past bunch of years, um, I very much realized that, you know, my strengths and my interests lie more in entertainment. Um, and if I'm to be totally honest with myself, I think especially, you know, right now in my life, I don't think that would be my strength. Um, I, I consider myself a very self-aware person. I love having a therapist. I'm very open about therapy. Um, I try to be as self-aware as possible. And I think if I'm self-aware, I consider myself very good at entertaining, very good at cooking. I don't think I'd be very good at uh, running a restaurant or even cooking on the line in a restaurant. Um, now I'm 19. That's one of the things I love about doing this when I'm so young. In 10 years from now, maybe I will be. Um, so never say never. I mean, currently it's not an interest of mine, um, but you never know. And I think that um, the thing that I love most about cooking is that you can never be an expert. You know, I think that that thing I love is you can never, not never be an expert, you can't be an expert. You can never know everything. Um, cooking is truly an area of field of work where there's always something you can learn. Even Gordon Ramsay knows a fraction about cooking. Go to India, they will like, Go to India. They have their own five billion ways of cooking things that we would yeah. ever think about. Go into a random little town in Mexico. They have their own ways. Go all the way into the tippy tippy top of Russia in like the freezing cold, how they cook things. You know, there's just, you can never know everything about food. And that's what excites me. You know, my dad actually asked me like a month ago, he's like, Ethan, are you ever going to run out of video ideas? And I'm like, dad, 
there is literally a nearly unlimited amount of foods to cook in this world. I think, you know, for me, that's what I love about food. And I'm sure you can resonate. Like you can never know everything. There's always new things to learn. So uh, do I think it's going to be in my next 10 years of life? Probably not. But in 10 years from now, I'll be 29, um, which is still very young. So very young. Uh, <laughs> we can follow up in 10 years. And see I will. I will. The beautiful thing about the internet is it doesn't forget. <laughs> yes. The internet does not forget. Yes. The I internet know. does okay, not I forget. About that one. I'm like, it's like actually things I think about and I, I'm sure other people have this, but like something that I think it's gonna be weird for me is, you know, when I'm like 50 and like I have kids, my kids are gonna like be able to watch like grow up. every moment of my, like every stage of my life. And I thought it's like, it's like this weird metaphor, even like, like, and the other thing about like my great grandkids and like 200 years from now, yep. they can like watch me grow up. It's like, it's honestly like kind of a weird part. They're also like crazy to think about, but like, it's just like interesting. Like my great grandkids, unless the internet collapses and like whatever, uh, will one day be able to watch it. It like blows my mind. But I mean, that's part, that's part of the legacy part. You know, that's the most empowering part. That's why we talk about storytelling. We talk about smartphone storytelling, the fact that you can literally start documenting no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your journey. If you have someone close to you in your life, if you have a grandparent um, that cooks something, you can literally take a video of them at that special occasion, at that Thanksgiving meal, at that Christmas, at that Hanukkah, whatever that is, you can document it and you can have it forever. You can show it to your kids. You can show it to your grandkids and um, more power to you for, for sharing that, you know, sharing that with, with the world. Uh, what, what, what kind of words of wisdom do you want to leave our, our audience with Ooh, that's a big when it comes, question. when it comes to content creation? Um, I would say on top of just start, is I think one of the most important things to know when you start is if negative feedback and hate is the number one indicator of success. It is extremely easy to get discouraged, especially on social media, uh, when you receive hate. But I think the thing that is so important is obviously, you know, this doesn't apply to everything. You know, if you're racist and creating racist content online, you get hate. Of course, yep. it doesn't apply like that. But in general, um, if you're doing something and you receive some sort of hate or negative feedback, that means you're succeeding. The way that I knew when I was really starting to make headway in my career was when I started really getting hate. And, you know, people are like, you're annoying. I don't like your videos. If people are taking time out of their precious life here on earth to hate, um, to hate on you, then you are doing something right. And I think, you know, when you start out, that first hate comment that maybe just like punches you in, the, in, the, in some spot where you're already weak, or maybe, you know, you're self-conscious about your hair and someone makes a comment about your hair. Like you, that little thing that just like gets to you is just to remember that that means you're succeeding. Now, we're all human. If I said I never got affected by hate comments, that'd be a lie. But it's so important to recognize that if you're doing something noteworthy, people will disagree with you. The way I phrase it is there's no people who are pro-breathing air. We all agree yep. that we should breathe air. There's no one who's standing up with a sign saying, we should have breathed air, we should breathe water. And that's because if, if you're doing something online and you're really trying to make a difference, if you have to make that difference or if you need to tell this new story, that means there's people who don't want you to. And I think that it's just so important to know because it's so easy. I think I always hate when I hear people like getting upset about negative comments. It's like, 
it's part of the job and it means you're succeeding. What is the best social platform for people to follow you? Where are you the most active? Where is your team the most active? I would say I consider Instagram like my home base. Um, it's yeah. where I started. Um, it's where I started creating content probably three years before the terms of service said I was allowed. Um, <laughs> it is I, for me, it's kind of my home base. You know, um, that's kind of where I like kind of everything I do culminates. You know, on TikTok, um, similar comes on Instagram. On YouTube is, you know, long form. Uh, Facebook is like kind of crazy zany stuff. I think Instagram, I, I kind of consider Instagram like my home. The rest are kind of like my attachments to the home, but like Instagram is my bedroom. Perfect. So follow, follow uh, Aton on Instagram. Are you on Clubhouse? Um, I'm Not sure yet. I am. And I'm sure you for those are. also just listening, uh, my name is spelled nothing like it's pronounced. That so is correct. E-I-T-A-N. Uh, you can search on all platforms and follow me. Uh, Aton, you might be like A-Y-T-O-N, A-Y-T-A-N. Uh, it's E-I-T-A-N. And does that make sense? No, but we can thank my parents. Although I love my name, so I'm just joking. No, your name, your name's awesome. Uh, hopefully we can get you on to Clubhouse every single Wednesday um, at 10 a.m. Pacific time. We do a restaurant influencers clubhouse with one of the guests. Um, that way you can come on and start to ask Aton questions directly about the episode after the episode publishes, publishes and drops. Uh, but Aton, we honored, man. Cer certainly honored. I, I love what you're doing. Uh, your wisdom at 19 and 20 once this episode publishes. Um, I can't wait for you to keep leaning in. Uh, I can't wait for to, to see you on Saturday Night Live. I know you put that out into the universe. That's what you plan on doing before 40. Hopefully it happens yeah. before 30. I think it can happen. Thank you. And again, keep asking. I'm any SNL producers, you know, I might not be big enough to be on it. That's okay. But SNL producers Just, out there in the universe, please know I'm, I'm available. My, my schedule is free. There you go. There it is. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we will catch you next week. And as always, stay curious, get involved. And like Aton says, do not be afraid to ask for help. Thank you for listening to Restaurant Influencers. If you are looking to improve your digital hospitality and you would like to learn more about what Toast has done for many of the guests on this show, like Sam the Cooking Guy, Stacey Poonkinney, Matt Horn, they all have trusted Toast to be their primary technology partner, just like we did at Cali Barbecue. When we struggled with online ordering during the pandemic, we knew that we needed to switch from Aloha to Toast. Toast helped us with online ordering. They helped us with loyalty. They helped us with gift cards. Guests can order food when they want on their terms and they can pay from the table. If you wanna learn more, DM me at Sean P. Walchef on any social platform and I will get you in touch with the right people at Toast to help scale your restaurant brand.